0: <clears throat> Matthew the 8th chapter and begin at verse number 5 Matthew 8 and 5 while you're turning there let me remind you um, faith will flourish in an understanding heart amen faith will flourish in an understanding heart the Bible's very clear that God's given to every man the measure of faith so we know that faith resides in our heart and in the same way that you put a light bulb in a light fixture and um, the the bulb uh, resides in and operates from that fixture the faith in your heart resides in and operates from your heart and so a lot of times we think that maybe there's some problem with our faith um, but what we're learning is that it's not a problem with our faith so much as it is a problem with the fixture Um, you know it's not the bulb it's the lamp amen and we see that Jesus taught us so much um, not just about faith um, but about our heart amen and um, and how important uh, an understanding heart is and so faith will flourish in an understanding heart. the opposite of understanding is either ignorance or confusion, and so we see that when we when we don 't have the right understanding or or we don 't know um, the, you know the, the ways of God and the Word of God, it certainly Hinders um, our faith. And so we come to this story in Matthew 8 where Jesus marveled at a man's faith. And we said that let's not just look at his um, faith, but let's look closer at what it is he understood. And so that's where we are tonight. It says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, um, saying Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. If we skip down to verse 13... Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. We don't really have any insight into what this man's condition was. We don't know if it was some type of an accident. We don't know if it was some type of um, infection. Uh, But obviously uh, he was um, in, in very bad shape and was in a lot of pain and so the centurion comes to jesus and um, asks jesus uh, to heal him Um, and when jesus agrees to go to this man's house he says that he's not worthy for him uh, to come to his house but that it's also not necessary for him to come to his house that all jesus has to do is speak the word and so we've pointed this out a time or two at least and we'll point it out again In verse 13, Jesus talks about as this man has believed. Jesus talks about this man's faith. This man doesn't use the word believe. This man doesn't use the word faith. But what we do see is that what this man understood allowed the faith that he had been given, the measure of faith that God gives to every man, it allowed that faith to flourish and produce results in his heart. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to go back through um, the list, but we started and are going to finish and move on, I believe, amen, uh, tonight, Um, the, the seventh thing that we said the centurion understood. And so number seven is, the centurion understood he was not deserving, but unlike many others, he also understood that was not a factor. He understood that he didn't deserve a miracle from Jesus. He had done nothing to earn it. He had done nothing to, you know, where Jesus like owed him. Let me just, could I help us all here tonight? You know, um, don't don't put your friends or, or or your neighbors in debt to you. Um, you know, you owe me a favor. You know. I owe you a favor. No, no, we're not. In, that's not how this works. Amen. Um, it's not how any of this was was supposed to work. And so um, we know that this centurion, from other gospel writers, that this centurion had been very generous to the Jewish people, um, but he didn't consider uh, himself to be owed a favor. Um, he didn't consider himself to, to, you know, to be qualified because of something that he had done or some gift that he had given. Um, As we said last week, he had built them a synagogue. I mean, that's a big deal, built them a building. Um, But again, uh, he didn't view any of that as, as putting God in his debt or God owing him something. So the centurion understood that he was not deserving. But unlike many others, he also understood that that was not a factor. And so as important as this man's understanding of authority and a system of authority, uh, as important a factor as that was in what he understood and how that played into uh, and worked together with his faith to produce results, I believe his understanding of not being deserving um, is as important if not more important. We said last week that understanding he did not deserve healing from Jesus played right into the centurion's faith. Okay, um, because when we understand that everything that God does for us is a gift, it's it's free, um, and any time we try to attach deserving, earning, owing um, to that, um, it takes it out of the category of a gift and puts it into the category of a debt. And so we said a works-based understanding is like a wet blanket to the flames of faith. When we try to uh, earn or deserve, uh, make ourselves worthy somehow uh, of these things by our own efforts and good works, um, it only um, interferes uh, with these things. As a matter of fact, um, the Bible has um, a, a word for that, and the word is frustrate. It literally frustrates um, the grace of God. And so we know that by grace through faith is how we're saved. By grace through faith is how we're saved. We see that faith and grace work together as a team. Um, we see that grace is what God has freely given to us. And faith is how we receive that. The moment we try to receive it by earning it because we've uh, praying and fasting is important. Um, But praying and fasting is not how you earn or deserve a miracle. Remember um, when Jesus was teaching us about prayer and he said in Matthew 6 that, that you shouldn't use vain repetition. Or believe that somehow you 'll be granted an answer because of your many words or because of your much asking, yet there are a lot of people in the church world today they think that if they just pray enough words, if they just get enough people to say enough prayers that somehow um, you know it 's finally god 'll just say, okay enough here you 've you've, you've prayed enough. let me give it to you' prayer 's not about earning. Listen to me, please. prayer' is not about earning. Many times we need to spend time praying about things because if you pray correctly, prayer will strengthen your faith position. If you pray correctly, and praying correctly is praying the answer and praying the Word of God and praying in the Spirit. If you'll do that correctly, the Bible says you'll build yourself up in faith. Amen. And, and, and making those uh, faith confessions. And so um, by grace through faith is how we're saved. But remember, saved doesn't just mean uh, forgiveness of sins. It's, it's an all-encompassing word. Um, the salvation package that we've received, um, all of his benefits, right? Uh, it's, it includes healing, it includes deliverance, it includes prosperity. Um, and, and so all of that is how, uh, is all of those things rather are received uh, the same way, by grace through faith. Remember, Father didn't want to give us what we deserve. He wanted to give us what he desires for us to have, and so let's try to let's try to wrap this one up and move on to at least one more um, tonight. But this is where we ended last week, and um, I had never said this before. I never thought of it this way. I really feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted me um, that pride is to grace what doubt is to faith. Pride is to grace. Y'all still with me tonight? Everybody still here? Pride is to grace what doubt is to faith. Now we already know that doubt will neutralize faith. Um, The Bible says that if we ask in faith with no doubting, that we'll have whatever it is that we ask. But James says if we ask in doubt, that we should not suppose or expect to receive anything from God. So we understand the nemesis, if you will, that, that doubt is to faith, the kryptonite, if you will, that, that doubt in our heart is to faith. Well, um, pride is to grace what doubt is to faith. In other words, when when we are prideful, arrogant, boastful, right, um, it, it nullifies or sets aside uh, the grace of, and all that God desires to give, remember, it's not what we deserve, what He desires to give to us. Um, pride is to grace what doubt is to faith. Remember um, James 4 and 6. It says, but He gives more grace. Anybody here need more grace? Amen. Um, how about this? Anybody here need more help? Okay. So, you know, it, it's the humble that get the help. Amen. And so we see the grace that we received at salvation is not all the grace that God has for us. He has even more grace on that. And and we even see where the Bible talks about grace on top of grace and grace for grace. Amen. And grace for the sake of grace. And so he's just rolling in grace. Amen. But it's the humble that get the help. It's the humble that are given grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace and even more grace to the humble. So one more time, pride is to grace what doubt is to faith. And so Galatians 2.21 says this, I do not frustrate, this is the King James Version, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And this word frustrate means to prevent from succeeding, Progressing or being fulfilled. So, because the centurion understood that he was not deserving, there's a lot of people who understand that, but they think because they're not deserving that somehow God won't do it for them. But he understood that not being deserving was not a factor in not receiving. And that's why we say it played right into his faith, because he recognized, I don't deserve this, but I do believe, I do believe. That Jesus represents a king in a kingdom that not only has the power and ability to bring healing, but that it's it's part of their platform. It's something that they that they do and even enjoy doing. Now, in the in the bigger scheme of things in our lives, um, you know, and I'll speak for myself. You know, I, I'm sure that I have uh, had understanding in my heart over the years that has frustrated the grace of God. Um, you know, where I feel like, you know, I'm only right with God if my behavior is up to par and these kinds of things where I think it's something that I've got to earn or, you know, instead of like Romans 10 says something that, you know, the right standing with God is something we submit to uh, and receive as opposed to something um, that we try to live up to and earn. All right. Um, the King James Version says, frustrate, the New King James Version says, I do not set aside the grace of God. So if you set something aside, what, what you're doing in essence is saying, I don't need this. I don't need the grace. I can do this myself. I can, I can work for this. I can, I can earn this. Remember, remember when the prodigal son came home and his father um, was, was showing him so much mercy and so much grace um, and, and put a ring on his finger, robe on his back, shoes on his feet. And the whole time he's doing that, that, that young man is saying to his dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, we, we think that sounds so humble, but listen to me, that was arrogance speaking. That young man was being very prideful because what he was in essence saying was, I'm going to set aside your goodness. I'm going to set aside your grace. I don't, I don't deserve, I've been too bad for you to be good to me. Okay, But if you'll give me a chance as a servant Maybe in a few years I can work my way back into the family. I can earn my way back into right standing with you. I can do enough good works that you'll forget about the mistakes that I've made and the sin that I've committed and and, 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 and you'll love me again and, and, and these sorts of things. And, and so on the surface, you know, it's, it's especially in America, you know, it's like this pull ourselves up by our bootstraps mentality that so many of us you know, have and operate under that you know we we have you know we've said this before we talk about surviving versus thriving and man we 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 hold survivors in such high regard in our in our country that that we ought, we make heroes out of them without realizing that God has so much more for us than just surviving amen he has so much more for us than than just uh you know being um a survivor and so there's a lot of folks that i think Relate to this prodigal son, but in a way that 's not healthy in a way that's that's um, either reflects ignorance, confusion, or pride, because you know we 're like okay, that young man 's going to earn his own way he can 't earn his own way Th- that that young man had his dad divide up property that had been in his family since Joshua divided amongst them. you understand what i 'm saying that That young man had his dad break up property that had been in the family for generations and sell a portion of it. So that he could get what he wanted. You, you, there's nothing he could have ever done to make up for that. There's no amount of work. There's no amount of service. There's no uh, uh, amount of being good that would ever cover or compensate. And it's very prideful. It's very, very prideful to think that, that we can and to somehow re- relate to that. But then the other side of that coin, and, and we mentioned this last week in closing, the other side of of that coin is it, you know one being prideful to think that we can somehow earn it, or that we've been so bad that our badness is greater than God's goodness, and and so you know I see elements and could make a case for both of of, of those positions um, in the case of this uh, in, in the situation with this the, the prodigal son. Now, <clears throat> again. For you and me tonight, let's not frustrate the grace of God, all right? You ever, tried, um, you ever tried to do something good for somebody and they wouldn't let you? You ever tried to help somebody and they wouldn't let you help them? You ever tried to give somebody something and they wouldn't let you give it to them? For those of you who are watching online, somebody from the back said, you talking about me amen all right praise god getting better they are listening amen it can be very frustrating can it amen somebody that's hard to help amen somebody that's hard to help praise god well don't make it hard for for the lord to help you make it easy for him to help you amen make it easier he wants to He wants to. Sometimes we get this idea that he doesn't want to help us because we think we've got to earn it. And the minute we do that, we take it out of grace, put it into trying to make God owe us something, and and we just, again, nullified uh, the whole deal, the whole operation, okay? Um, So don't let your badness cause you to doubt Jesus' goodness an understanding that includes earning or deserving causes grace to be set aside or frustrated. An understanding that includes there's no way God will do anything for me based upon the wrong I've done causes faith to be set aside or frustrated. Okay. So when, back to um, pride is to grace what doubt is to faith. If, if we think we can earn it, then that's pride. If we think we've been so bad, God won't do it for us. That's doubting him. That's doubting his love. That's doubting um, you know, his desire uh, to, to help us and to do good things uh, for us um, in our lives. So when we talk about the centurion's understanding, we see that his understanding along these lines enabled him to avoid the pride that frustrates grace... And and the doubt that neutralizes faith. Yes, no, maybe y'all still with me tonight? Praise God. All right. The centurion's understanding enabled him to avoid the pride that frustrates grace and the doubt that neutralizes faith. Amen. All right. So that's number seven. The eighth thing, number eight, the eighth thing that the centurion understood is are you ready? And it's related. The centurion understood healing was based upon Jesus' goodness and not his own. It wasn't based on his goodness. It was based upon Jesus' goodness. Amen. Because he was good. Are you hearing me? Let me, um, let me remind you of something. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. Um, if this is your first time, then I'm either planting or watering. Either way, let me plant or let me water. All right. Uh, By all means, tell the Lord how much you love Him. By all means, confess your love for Him. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely uh, not telling you and not discouraging you from doing that. Please do that. But several years ago, um, I heard myself saying that a lot. And the Holy Spirit prompted me to start thanking Him for loving me. Okay? Okay? So it's one thing for us to constantly confess our love for the Lord. Um, But I would recommend that you include along with that a confession, confessing His love for you, all right? Because the Bible says that we love Him, why? Because He first loved us. And if we're ever going to grow in our ability to love Him, it's directly related to our understanding of his love for us. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying tonight? So the example for this is um, one of my favorite apostles, and that's the apostle John. Um, and we see in the gospel that bears his name that he never referred to himself as John. But any time he referred to himself, he would refer to himself As that disciple whom the Lord loved. Amen. He talked about himself as the one that Jesus loved. Amen. And he reminded himself constantly of the love that Jesus has for him. This is such an important thing for us to connect with, such an important thing for our minds to be renewed to, such an important thing for us to lay hold of and and live every waking moment, if that matter while we're asleep at night, with an understanding of His great love for us. We're saved tonight because of the great love with which He loved us. We're healed tonight, because of the great love with which He loved us. We're set free tonight, because of the great love with which He loved us. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness tonight, because of the great love with which He loved us. It all comes back to His Uh, unending, unconditional love for us. There's nothing you can do right now to make Him love you any more than He loves you right now. And there's nothing you can do right now to make Him love you any less than He loves you right now. Because His love for you is not based upon your performance. It's based upon who you are to Him. Amen. Certainly, you know, we've all done things that have made Him smile and we've certainly done things that have made Him sad, okay? But again, His love for us remains... Uh, the same. It remains constant. It remains sure. It remains steadfast. It remains eternal. And so the more our minds are renewed to this unending love that he has for us, remember faith works by love. And there's a lot of ways to understand what that means. But I think this is a huge one right here. There are a lot of folks who have a hard time believing what God wants to do in their lives because they don't understand the love that he has for them. They're so caught up in what they've done wrong and the mistakes that they've made and the sin that they've committed and that somehow God being able to work in their lives is based upon, um, you know, their their goodness or lack of it, all right? The centurion understood that Jesus working in his life was not based upon his goodness, but based upon Jesus's goodness. Are you with me? Praise God. This needs to translate, you know, all throughout our day's up until and even beyond the day that we stand before the Lord. Amen. In other words, when, when you stand before him on that day, right, um, you know, what you've done for him on this earth is, is extremely important, okay? But please, don't put your confidence, when you stand before him at the end of your life, don't put your confidence in what you've done for him. Make sure your, confident remain, your confidence remains in what he's done for you. Amen. Amen. Our love may be up and down. It may be all over the map. But his love is not. His love is constant. But the more we are aware of and conscious of his love for us, the more steady our love for him will be. And so what we're talking about here, among other things, is one of my favorite principles in the scriptures. And it's what I call the much more principle. The much more principle. Now, we're not going to take the time to do it, but um, Romans, the fifth chapter, we find so many much mores. Amen. In other words, he says, if one man's disobedience made us all sinners, how much more will Jesus's obedience make us righteous? And so we see that these things are not like neck and neck, almost even. Um, but the answer that Jesus has brought uh, and, and made available to us um, is so much greater than the problem that it came to, to, you know, to solve uh, in our lives. Uh, but I will draw your attention to this one Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Matthew 7 uh, and verse 7. So 7 7 and it's through 11. So 7 7 7 11 is the way you can remember these verses. This is Jesus speaking. It's written in red. He says, Ask and it'll be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and it will be opened to you. Now, Jesus just got through telling us that Father knows what we have need of before we ask, okay? And then after that, He told us and explained to us that when we pray, we should not think that we'll be heard because of our many words, okay? But He then follows that up by instructing us to ask. Now, James, the half brother of Jesus, raised in the same house with him, did not believe he was the Son of God until after he was raised from the dead. James, by the Holy Spirit, tells us that we have not because we ask not. So, asking is very important. Amen. How you ask, the way you ask, the attitude with which you ask again, all of these things are important. But let me just remind you to ask, okay? And the, the original language here, this would literally be translated um, ask and keep asking. It's a perpetual present, okay? So ask and keep asking. He says, ask and it will be given. That's pretty, pretty straightforward, isn't it? Pretty definitive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Let me tell you how you can um, exercise your faith, all right? For instance, seek and you'll find. There's no such thing as something being lost at our house. Okay? In other words, if if we can't find it, the Bible says if we look for it, we'll find it. And so I've learned pray in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, right? Because remember, what do your words do? Your words chart the course that your life follows. And so if you set your heart on finding something, you pray in the Spirit And the Holy Spirit knows where it is. He'll lead you to it every time. I found a classmate's contact on a football field. True story. Praying in the Spirit. The only thing that I haven't found yet, notice I said yet, amen, that I have applied this scripture to, is Jake lost his wedding band in the surf at the beach. And um, I believe we're going to find it we go this summer, brother. Come on now. Amen. Is anything We're talking about God, right? Anything too hard for Him? But He says if you seek, you'll find. See, there's a lot of folks who aren't finding what they need in life because they're not looking for it. They're not seeking. Ask it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to, to him who knocks, it will be opened. Right, Marching orders here, right? And so he gives us this example, or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? this This passage, in particular here, was very important um, for our family when it came to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we were taught in our denominational church that speaking in tongues was of the devil, that these things weren't for today, okay? And, and so here, you know, if, if we're sincerely asking God uh, for something that His Word says, you know, is for us, if it's of the devil, He's, he's going to take care of us, right? I'll never forget my mother said, after my mother was baptized in the Holy Spirit, she said, how could anything be of the devil that makes you love Jesus this much? Right. There's no way it's of the devil. Amen. Obviously it's not. Now, again, we didn't understand. Right? <laughs> this did I mention faith will flourish in understanding heart. So if you're confused or ignorant about these things, it's hard for you to use your faith to, to receive these things. But this was a verse that the Lord uh, led us to, led our family to, my mom and dad to. Um, is, you know, look, if we're sincerely asking, as a matter of fact, I think it's Luke's version of this actually says um how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All right. So, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, the context here is ask, it'll be given, seek, and you'll find, knock, and it'll be opened. All right. So, and then he gives the example of a, of a son or a child, son or daughter, asking his father, how many of you understand that I can knock on my dad's door at 3 in the morning and he's going to answer it? If there's something that I'm looking for that he doesn't have, he'll help me find it. And if there's something that I need, he'll give it to me. That's, in other words, that's, 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 the, um, that's the mindset, the attitude that that Jesus is wanting us to have in our asking. Let me say it another way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's the understanding that Jesus wants us to have in our asking in our seeking and in our knocking. So he's saying, look, if you you being evil know how to give good gifts, here's the how much more principle um, that we're talking about. Now, amen. Let's let's look at one more verse then. So let's, let's go back to it. If... If the son, uh, let me put it back up, verse 9. What man is there among you if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? All right? Asking for bread. Now, if you take this verse and bring it with you to Matthew, the 15th chapter, we find out that bread doesn't just mean something you make a sandwich out of. In Matthew 15 and 26, it says this, But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Okay? The context of this is the the Syrophoenician woman. Um, She was from Syria, Phoenicia, and so that's where we get Syrophoenician woman. In other words, what that means is she was not a Jew. And remember, Jesus was sent first. He explained to her that he was sent first to the to the children of Israel. And she was wanting healing and, and deliverance from demonic spirits for her daughter. Notice, similar to the centurion, he's not a Jewish man. He comes wanting healing, not for himself, but for his servant. Here, she's wanting healing and deliverance, not for herself, but in this case, for her daughter. And Jesus says, I'm sent first to the Jews, and it wouldn't be right to give the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, you think Jesus just insulted this woman. Well, if you understood how these people lived, you would understand. Uh, It it, it was, uh, for the most part, a a deserved title. In, 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 the, in, the, in the practices, the, yeah, there's no need to get into their whole background. But, but then this woman responds by saying, but even the dogs eat the crumbs of bread from the table. And Jesus says it again, I've not seen so great faith. No, not. He marveled at her faith. right? Now, I'm bringing us here not because I'm trying to start a whole other teaching, but I'm just tr- I'm trying to show you something about bread Bread, again, is not just mean a loaf to eat. Bread here includes healing. It includes deliverance from from demonic oppression and even possession. Jesus referred to that as children's bread. So if we take these two verses, I think you've already got it, but let's just make sure and then we'll pray. If you take these two verses, then what, what we see is that asking Father for bread doesn't just mean, Dad, I'm hungry, give me something to eat. Asking our Heavenly Father for bread is and it was asking Him for healing is like a hungry kid asking his mom or dad for something to eat. Right? Do you see the understanding that Jesus wants us to have about these things? And again, we see it in the Syrophoenician woman. She had a measure of faith just like everybody else, just like the centurion. It was her understanding and her persistence Um. You know that allowed her faith, if, we, if you will, faithful, flourishing, understanding heart. She's like, okay, you, you know, touche, deserved. You know, me and my people live like dogs, um, but I'm asking for some bread here for my for my child, and and so you know we can at least get some crumbs uh, of healing and deliverance. And Jesus is like. Sister, you, you go give that baby a kiss and, and, uh, and y'all have a good night. She's healed right now. You know, it's exactly, it's exactly what happened. Praise God. All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. So how much more? How much more? Um, do not let the devil, uh, you know, use mistakes that you've made, sin that you may have committed, issues that you've had. Do not let him... Use those things to frustrate, uh, you know, to cause you motivate you to frustrate the grace of God, or to, or to set aside the grace of God, or to frustrate faith, or set aside um, faith in your heart. Okay, it's it's not about our goodness. Not I'm not giving the excuse to be bad. Not not saying it's okay for me to go be bad. That's not it. But him doing things in my life. And me being qualified for him to do things in my life is based upon how good he is. Not how bad or good either way I've been. Amen. All right. Praise God. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for these beautiful men and women, these young people, Father, these children. Thank you, Father, for those that are live with us here in the room, those that are watching live online, those that will watch it three weeks from now, three years from now, Lord. I thank you that you're speaking to us. And, Lord, we receive your showers of blessing in our lives just like rain falling on the roof of this building, Lord. Not because we deserve it, not because you owe it to us, but because, Father, you just love us and you love doing good things for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen amen and amen. Tell somebody around you good things coming. We'll see you Sunday. Remember our picnic. Remember our picnic. It's going to be a great time. If you can help us set up, be here at 9 a.m. And uh, we'll see you then if not before.